Uh, we are in Job. We'll be in chapter 28, verses 12 to 28 this morning. So you can go ahead and try to find that in your Bible. This is session four, Wisdom Gained. Um, God's wisdom is found in fearing and obeying Him. When we first started Job, we talked about we don't know who wrote it. We know that Job lived very early in history, likely sometime after the Tower of Babel and before Abraham. Somewhere in that time frame is when we think that he probably lived. But the story, as we have it recorded, we don't know who put pen to paper. Um, one of the possibilities is that because it's considered wisdom literature, that it was actually penned or at least recorded by Solomon. And this chapter, these verses, really bring out a Solomon-style Solomon of writing as we look at this. And it's one of the reasons we think it may have been written down by Solomon. Um, and so as we look at that, you'll see this sounds very much like the book of Proverbs, which we know he didn't write all the Proverbs, that many of them were collected from the ancient world, as well as uh, Ecclesiastes, which is where we're going next. So anyway, as we push into this, it'll start to sound a lot like Solomon as we begin to understand wisdom gained. As we talk about wisdom, what comes to mind? What image does it does it pull up? Somebody older because they have much experience. Okay, somebody older and much experience. Not me. <laughs> not you. Okay. You're not experienced. You're not older. No, you're not older. <laughs> Therefore, by default, you're not experienced. <laughs> Extrapolated no wisdom. <laughs> Nobody's ever accused me of that. <laughs> For me, when I think, you know, wisdom gained, trying to gain wisdom, people go to great lengths yeah. to try and gain wisdom, and really they don't often find it, but if I turn this on, it helps. <laughs> there we go. You know, the, the, uh, yeah. this, is the, this is the idea. I mean, when, when, when we think about it, we put it in cartoons, or whatever, it's always the guy climbing the mountain to find some guru sitting at the top, arms folded, legs crossed, and living in a little cave, trying to find wisdom. Uh, which, you know, you could have just logged onto my website. <laughs> but that's what we think about. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, it's a running joke, really, with humanity. The idea of finding wisdom, especially in this day and age, I'm not sure that anybody's convinced that there is such a thing as wisdom. Um, or that you can know wisdom or have wisdom. And that's I think not people true. confuse wisdom with intelligence and education. Sure. Well, certainly we, we confuse it with knowledge. Knowledge. Um, so wisdom I, and knowledge, they kind of go together. Right. And, and with, there's been a drive in the last 30, 40 years for everybody to get college degrees. And so we have a lot of educated people out there. But no common sense. Oh, well, yeah, there's, there, there's a serious lack of common sense. But common sense is, it, it isn't even just common sense. They don't have experience, and so they don't have wisdom. I mean, that's yeah. one of the reasons why I think that when we look for wisdom, we look for the older guy, the older person, 
because they know things. They've been around the block two or three times. You can't just make uh, wisdom. You, you can't read a book and gain wisdom. You gain knowledge. How to use and apply that knowledge is wisdom. And what's funny about wisdom, it either comes through experience or it's passed on from somebody who already has it. You either have to earn it or it's, it's told to you and then you can, you can use it or not. That's pretty interesting. As we come into Job this morning, um, we're going we're to start the lesson about halfway through here uh, in, chapter, in verse 12 of chapter 28. But I wanted to read to you verses 28, uh, chapter 28, verses 1 to 11, to set the background uh, for this. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where everyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread. But underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and falcon's eye has not seen. The proud beasts have not trodden it, the lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rock, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden brings out to light. This is a mining reference. Clearly the author of this understands the process of mining and how we get stones and gold and iron and all that. And he's saying wisdom is even, is even more elusive than those things, which if you think in the ancient world, we're, we're talking again, before the time of Abraham or around that time, somewhere in there, there I mean, they, weren't, they really didn't have iron weapons, iron picks, and stuff. They're mining by hand. Now, I don't know how deep into the earth they had to go to find gold and silver and all that, but it would be quite the endeavor. Um, it would take a lot of people a long time to dig in far enough to find stuff. And he's talking about, he, he's setting the stage that this is what it takes to find gold and emeralds and, and those sorts of things. And he's going to contrast it as we get into this lesson with wisdom. That wisdom is even more elusive than that sort of stuff. Nowadays we just strip mine. We make it really easy. And we just drill, drill down and, and all that. So let's jump into this this morning. Job chapter 28 verses 12 through 19. Somebody go ahead and read this for us. Nice and loud. But where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and is not found in the land of the living. The deep say, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold and silver, cannot be weighed as its price. It, can't, it cannot be valued in, in gold of, of fire, and precious or 
Onyx. Onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor it can be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Alright, thank you. Um, where shall wisdom be found? That's the question. See, this is why it's kind of very Solomonic in its style. Um, he asks the question, where can wisdom be found? And then he goes on to talk about the deep says it's not in me and, and, and so forth. Um, one of the questions I had in this was, oh, fear. Why, why is this mentioned? Um, so I, I went and did a little digging to figure it out. If you have your map. Pun intended. Pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. Pun intended. Um, okay, so if you have your map, you can look at it, but I don't think you have, you have that map. This is that other map that I found. Ophir is all the way down here. Okay, so Ophir is in Africa. It is current day Djibouti. The country of Djibouti is where the city of Ophir was, which uh, Djibouti is down right across um, from Saudi Arabia, or from what, yeah, what would be modern day Saudi Arabia. It's the sentinels to the Red Sea. And this city was known for its gold. Uh, Djibouti is a, or was a French colony originally. It is mostly followers of Islam. About 68% of the country are followers of Islam, and they have been for the last thousand years. Uh, in antiquity, Ophir would have been a city in Ethiopia. They were Ethiopic. Um, so they weren't part of Egypt. Um, Egypt did not have any control or any of that. You can see the Nile here, right where, the, where it splits. Um, is it on that map? You can't see it. Right where the Nile splits, that's Upper Egypt. And that's where uh, many of the Egyptian pharaohs ruled from. Uh, so it would have been close by. It's possible that it was uh, a capital at one point for the Ethiopian peoples um, being on the coast, which made trading up and down the Red Sea and across the Arabian Sea there, uh, all the way to the Persian Gulf very easily. Solomon in his day had treasure fleets. If you remember mm -hmm. the stories from Solomon, they would sail out of the Red Sea uh, to go pick up gold and they would bring back animals and silver and other tributes. Um, likely Ophir was a tribute city that sent gold and stuff. It was probably all the stuff out of Ethiopia because if you know the rest of Africa goes down and that's where we get to Zambia and, and Tanzania and all those other, below all that it probably was a big trading port because it would have been close to um, Egypt being the world power for many centuries and the Middle East because you can go across to the Persian Gulf where you would run into Babylon and farther north of Syria Persia eventually and all those so uh, it was probably a very large trading city anyway just some background for you on Ophir uh, as we come we are in the uh, fourth yeah fourth uh, point of the book of Job, and this is the third round of discussions. So there's a whole lot of uh, discussions that have taken place 
um, with uh, Job's friends. And now Job is going to talk about wisdom, and it's the value of wisdom, wisdom valued. And as we read through this, we can see that he is indicating that it's not of this earth. Wisdom can't be found here. That's part of the problem with our world today. We think we can find wisdom. We can think that we can find it either in the minds of men or during the uh, Renaissance and the like, um, the earth. And we thought we could find it in nature. Scientific endeavors <coughs> would give us wisdom. Well, it gave us a lot of knowledge. The whole concept of natural selection and, and those things, it gave us understanding of, of how nature worked, but it didn't actually offer us any wisdom. The problem is, is that that time period throughout conventional wisdom. I mean, if we look at history and study history at all, from the Renaissance on, we began throwing out what was traditional wisdom for the new and modern, what they thought was modern at that point, uh, concepts. And that's how we ended up with the whole idea that man evolved and that that, was, that replaced the idea of creation because that was wisdom at the time. And we looked at science and we said, oh, look, this is what happens. And Darwin wrote his book and people said, yeah, this makes more sense than, than God. And so this must be real wisdom because it comes from the world. It, it's natural. It's, it's here. It's observable and, and all that. Well, come to find out that, that they didn't understand enough uh, because they didn't have wisdom. They didn't, couldn't see far enough in to understand what a cell was and how it worked and all of those things. And, and they are now struggling because their system has collapsed as our knowledge has increased. Because knowledge doesn't actually bring wisdom. It's, it comes from somewhere else. And that's what, that's what our author here is saying. You can dig for it. Where does wisdom come from? It's not in the depths of the earth. It's not in the depths of the sea. It's not in the height of the earth. The eagle can't see it. Men can't mine for it. It's, it's not here. It's not from the earth. And the conclusion of our author is, thus, wisdom is greater than anything you can find on earth. Because you cannot find it here, because you cannot gain it here, it must come from somewhere outside of ourselves, which is interesting. That's so contrary to our world today, isn't it? I mean, just, just look at our news media, look at our scientists, look at our politicians. They, they, they think wisdom can be found here, and the reality is, is the only way we know what wisdom is is if somebody outside of ourselves tells us. We have all these authorities going. They can't agree. An expert is somebody yeah. right here. <laughs> the expert, really, that we, we keep looking for the expert. Well, we've got this one. Well, he doesn't agree with that one, so who's right? How do we make that decision? We, we've seen, I mean, we've spent a year now with this, with this virus and everything, listening to the experts, but they don't agree with each other. And so how do we decide who's right? Well, apparently, whoever. Huh? Yeah, well, no, I think it's whoever. Whoever's got the uh, view that fits with whatever we want to believe. Uh, and that's not wisdom, though, is it? 
Uh, th this is so difficult because we, we don't know who to believe, who not to believe. I think at this point, we have the lowest, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, confidence. Confidence, thank you. You're welcome. The lowest confidence in scientists, politicians, and news media <laughs> of probably the last two centuries. I've never had a high regard for any of those. <laughs> But, but as, a, as a people, yeah. I mean, and I'm not just talking about the United States. I mean, we got our issues here. But I think the whole world, yeah. I think the whole world is questioning, uh, well, at least anywhere where there's a free, free exchange of thought, um, as to, well, what really is going on? What do we really know? What does it really matter? We're asking those questions. How do we know? Because if this guy's disagreeing and that guy, and they both have data and they both have views, everybody's realizing that those are just opinions based on the data and that sometimes even the data doesn't agree. Right. So then whose data is right and whose data is wrong? Mm -hmm. Job says that would maybe give them an idea that there's something bigger than <laughs> this world. You would think that, but again, <laughs> wisdom isn't, it, 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 you know, we don't really embrace wisdom, do we? We embrace what backs us up? I'm, yeah. right. I'm the guy making the decisions. The, the, the phrase that numbers don't lie, right? Ah. But liars figure. Yeah. Figure <laughs> right? Numbers don't lie. Watch out for these accountants, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Wisdom is not from the earth. That's, I mean, this is Joe. This is written some three, four thousand years ago, and he's saying we can't. We don't know it here. It's not here. It's not in our purview. Therefore, it is of great treasure because it is of great earthly value, but it doesn't come from earth. It's got to come from outside of ourselves. We've got to turn to the one who actually designed the system. Comment? Question? All right, we'll move along. All right, Job chapter 28, verses 20 and 22. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, only a rumor of it has reached our ears. Thank you. Your says <coughs> destruction and death. Um, Abaddon is the... Is the well, I think most of you probably have the word Abaddon and death. Abaddon is a place of ruin in Sheol. Um, it is a place of the ruined dead. Uh, it is a development of the early distinction and conditions in Sheol. This is a place, um, it's not hell, but it, it's, it's a place of destruction. Whereas death... Um, it's capitalized in our Bibles because it's actually a proper name. It is the realm of the dead. It's not just like, oh, I died dead. It's a place. So these are two places in Sheol. Um, it, it's a location. So those two places say we have heard a rumor with our ears. So they don't know where death or they don't know where wisdom comes from. It's interesting. This is broken down into questions. How much is wisdom worth? Now, where do I find it? And our author here 
makes it clear it's uh, it's not here. Wisdom is hidden. Wisdom is going to take work to get. Neither the living or the dead know it. In a lot of other cultures, when somebody is trying to make a decision, they will go to a temple, they will seek out a shaman to ask the spirits. Oh, wait a second. 20th, early 20th century America, we, had, we would hold seances, we would seek mediums, occultism, spiritualism was huge in America. Ouija boards. Ouija boards, asking the question, why, why, do, we, why do we do this? <coughs> why do we do this? Why do we seek it out? I mean, most of the world does this, still. Because we don't know where wisdom, we don't know where to find wisdom. We assume that those on the other side have it, that those on another plane have it, those that are out there, wherever there is, have it. And so you have all these people that are trying to connect with the dead, the ancestors, other beings from other planes. I mean, how many? You know, we, we, we laugh about it as Christians, but there are people who seek out, I mean, the, the psychic hotline? <laughs> How much money was made on that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they're charging do several dollars a minute, 10, 15 dollars a minute. They didn't see it coming when they went bankrupt, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys must have called these guys. <laughs> But here our author tells us neither the living nor the dead know wisdom. See, we're seeking it in the wrong place. Everybody wants wisdom. The problem is, is they don't like where it really comes from. <laughs> and they, they, they want an alternate source. They want a second opinion, if you will, because... Um, oh, it couldn't possibly You're right. We, we can't accept that there's God. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not found among either. We cannot find wisdom among ourselves. I don't care how good you, you think you are, what kind of guru you are, whether you're a computer guru, a business guru, a spiritual guru. We got a lot of gurus in America <laughs> and Europe, and people seek them out. They seek out these people to get a word of wisdom. How should, I, how should my training go? There are people that have people that they follow. Oh, he, he says this is the stock to invest in, or this market, or this currency, or this. He, he, he's the guy who knows, and they seek wisdom rather than, well, what does God think we ought to be doing? Because if I ask God what I should do with my money, oh, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, he's got a very different view, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Give it to this missionary. Yeah. But, but what am I yeah. going to get back? How, what kind of investment is that? Right? Uh, yeah, really. I mean, you think about it. God's system is contrary to worldly concepts. Always. And put your time in here. Help this. Help them. Do that. Like, but that doesn't gain me anything. Ah, oh, but the afterlife. Its value may not be right here, right now, but in eternity. What's that value? When I first was a missionary, I was teaching a, 
uh, or want to listen to a bunch of kids in there. They had a Weisenheimer fifth grade boy. And he said, how much do you make as a missionary? And I said, well, that's personal, but you can become one and find out. <laughs> and I said, I will tell you this, that when I did my taxes last, I made half of what I made the year before. But I said, all of my bills have been paid, and some of my desires have been met. And I just said, that proves that God's math is different than our math. And he just shut right up. And all he said, what'd you do to him? I said, I just talked to him. But anyway, just to reiterate your point. So, yeah. hey, Some of you know um, I taught high school for years, middle school. And the reason I left education was I taught Bible in Christian schools is the I could not deal with teaching Bible under the conditions that they wanted because they didn't really want Bible taught. They wanted to be a Christian school without really being Christian. And so Bible was not important. We were expected to give the same amount of credit as English, math, and science. It was a major class. But they didn't have to do any work in Bible class. And I said, why? How, how is that learning? And they said, well, we don't want anybody to have a bad feeling about Bible and, and, and all that. Just give them a, a devotional every day, and that'll be sufficient. And I said, but you, this is a Bible class. And we weren't permitted to do homework, no tests, no quizzes. No child should fail Bible class. So I'm like, but then how does that make me equal to math, science, and history? Well, those are, those are important. We've got to get these kids with that so they can get into college. And we don't want to ruin their college transcripts with Bible. Oh, okay. That, and so, and what if they want to go to a Bible school? Yeah. Uh, well, no, because they were pushing. The, the, the goal was to see how many they could get into the big universities, Harvard, Yale, Columbia, Princeton, you know, those places. Because that's what you put on the, the front doors when new prospective parents come. That's, like, that's your marketing. You know, yeah, that, that's your marketing. You know, 25 kids graduated from... Yale or MIT from our school uh, that sells. Twenty-five kids became pastors. Doesn't that doesn't sound so good, right? Or, yeah. or twenty-five kids became missionaries. And I said, "This is crazy." Or I go to a school that was big in sports, and well, you know, your your class causes them to not be eligible to play football, and that means they're not going to get that scholarship to uh, Texas One out Tech. Thirty million, right? Yeah, and I'm like, but this is this is. You're, you're a Christian school. You're, you're a Christian educator. Yeah, but that, okay. And so I had to give it up. I, I just, I could not do it. I, I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself and, and make so little to do about Bible. And it's this whole wisdom thing. We think the wisdom comes from those institutions. It doesn't. It's not there. It isn't there. We are looking for it in the wrong places. Yes, there are great institutions for knowledge, but they're not great institutions for wisdom. All right. One more set. Uh, Job chapter 28, 23 through 27. God, God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, 
Then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord. That wait, 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 you jumped too far. Sorry. Only the 27. <laughs> I, I love this. This, this section sums it up as we look at this wisdom found we've asked where how much is wisdom worth we said how much where do we find it and here the author is going to tell us God is its only source this is the problem with the world today is that they don't recognize the source of wisdom they don't want to recognize the source of how can you argue with the guy who invented all the science? I mean, have you ever sat and just pondered that? It's one of those late afternoon things. You oh, sit sure it is. Sitting on the deck, staring out into space, and you ponder, who, how did he dream up the idea of electricity? Before Ben Franklin with the key and all that, God had already invented electricity that, that it would move and be able to be harnessed in the world. Yes, man came up with a way to create a motor that is run by it. The actual concept of electricity, we, we couldn't dream that up. <laughs> How about the cycle of weather? I'm traveling the last few days for the funeral, and I've been caught in, in these ridiculous storms down south. And but the idea of how air moves from one place to another and brings with it rain and clouds and all that, if you study anything of meteorology, uh, the, we, we have yet to discern exactly how it works. We know how complicated it is, and the littlest thing changes the weather. Oh, there's a lake in the way, and it's cooling the air, and it changes the whole thing. So the storm front goes this way instead of that way. And we blame the weathermen. They don't yeah, but we don't understand how everything works together with it. I mean, we can't get enough information to make that those jumps. It's the butterflies. It's the butterflies. butterflies. <laughs> I, it is. I mean, I don't live that far from Joe. And I will drive from my house to his house, and the weather will change just because I cross a hill. I mean, it's not a mountain. It's not like I went over 20,000 feet. It's just a hill. But that hill often splits the systems and they go around his house. I mean, we have sat there and watched it on his front porch. Storms coming in and it just, and it goes around. Where you must have a big tower or something. It's hard here. But it's, it's phenomenal, the system uh, for it. The whole idea of the cycle of life, that everything feeds everything else. You know, the lion eats the gazelle, and then the lion dies, and the worms eat the lion, and the grass grows from the decaying of the lion, which then the gazelle eats. And it's this whole cycle. Who dreamt that up? I mean, that, that must have been Disney. Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy, it's a crazy idea, isn't it? Have you ever stopped and thought about the system, or just how trees turn carbon dioxide into oxygen plants? That they do that, and the rest of us breathe out carbon dioxide. Go figure. Who thought that? I mean, the, I mean, by our world's wisdom, these things just developed on their own. They are so incredibly complex, we barely got a claw into it to under, of understanding. But some people believe it just happened. Yeah, and it just happened. <laughs> but here it is, God. I mean, uh, He established it. 
and searched it out. He did the research. He figured it out. He made it all work. And the more we delve, the farther we go into the atom, the more we find there's more stuff that we didn't know was there that are even more incredible in how the system is put together. And we still have yet to find the very base. I think if you scratch down far enough, we're going to find God himself. Uh, because it, he sustains it. Where does the energy come from? I mean, we have the, the so-called God particle, uh, which is supposedly what creates gravity. Um, but they're still not 100% sure because viewing them, measuring them is, is so difficult. Or my, my favorite are the whole photon thing, light. <coughs> the light is both wave and mass, and it depends on when you're looking at it and how you're looking at it. We, we, we have yet to crack that one. We just know that it's not normal. <laughs> What's normal? <laughs> Seeing as how light is... Uh, but God knows. God invented it. And we want to argue with him? <laughs> that's what makes the whole thing laughable. We're arguing with a guy, and that's, that's where Job is going. Because God's going to ask that very question as we get farther in. But where does it come from? God is its only source. The depths of God's wisdom can be seen in his creation. I think we often forget, yes, God created, and we all acknowledge that. We accept that as fact. But I think we forget even more basic. God wrote the rules for the system. It's not like the system existed and God just put stuff in it. He sat down and wrote the rules for the system. He invented the interaction between elements that we barely comprehend. He didn't just say, okay, here's elements. Oh, look at what they do. Wow, isn't that cool? No, he planned it. He planned it knowing that man would invent TNT. That dynamite would one day be a thing. He wasn't surprised. He created that system that Noble used to make the first explosion. And that from there we would eventually split the atom and, and create nuclear weapons. He's not surprised. He created the system that allows it. It just didn't happen on its own. It was his invention, knowing what we would do with it. Now that's phenomenal. That's wisdom, because he knew that had to happen in order to get to where he wants us to go in history. Because it's not history to him. It's already pla it's planned. That was his plan. Wisdom. Wisdom is found in God. And the sooner we accept that it's not just... Yeah, God knows. I mean, we, we, we say it, but when we recognize and realize all of what's happening right now today is part of the system that God created. The very history unfolding, the nonsense in Washington, the nonsense across the country, the whole nonsense with the world going on right now, it is no different for God than how lightning moves through the clouds and where it strikes and all that. It was part of the system that he designed and it's just playing out. It's playing out the way he planned it to play out. That's the wisdom. And yes, we, we have free will to make those choices, but he knew that too and planned for it. 
I don't know how you plan for free will. It's beyond my ability to comprehend. But that is the level of wisdom God has. He knew what every choice was and what every possible outcome would be. And he planned for it. That is wisdom. And that's the guy I want to ask for. Ask from, you know, well, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, fun and that good. <laughs> Comment, question. Alright. Last one. Job chapter 28, verse 28. Debbie wanted to read it before. <laughs> and he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. It is funny. We're going to do Ecclesiastes next, but it's the same conclusion Solomon had in Ecclesiastes. Now the question is, is did Solomon write Job as well? Or did Job steal it from or did it, um, Solomon steal it from Job? Since clearly Job came before Solomon. Behold the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is offered to us. It's found in fearing God. You want to be wise. You want to make the right choice. We don't look at the world. We go to God. We see where he's leading and directing and begin to understand his ways, which we know are not our ways. And clearly from the evidence of Scripture, we don't think the way God thinks at all. Um, our self-centeredness kind of gets in the way, doesn't it? I want what I think is good for me. God says, no, that's not good for you, though. That's not what you need. That's what you want. But it's not what you need. I certainly don't necessarily want what he thinks I need. Um, and this is why. Because fearing God leads to repentance. When we start looking at him and seeking him out, Things begin to change, don't they? We begin to understand this little thing called sin. And we begin to realize that it's in me all the time. And that I don't do what I'm supposed to do or act the way I'm supposed to act. And that it gets in the way of life. Now, fearing God leads to repentance and repentance leads to serving God. Um, and when we start to serve him and go his way, we tend to run into problems, don't we? Because God gets in the way of worldly life. And there begins to be those conflicts. And I think we're sitting in one of those headways right now. The world has run its own path. And they ran parallel for many, many years. Godliness and the world's way system. But now there's been a digression. And the world isn't running parallel to God's ways anymore. And so uh, not only do they become very contrary to the world, but as Chris keeps reminding us, they become offensive. The world looks at us and we're now the bigots. We're the problem. We are 
the thing is, is that the Bible hasn't changed, has it? The wisdom of God has not changed from the beginning of time. I mean, not even just thousands of years, but I mean, this is, we're, we're looking at Job. Job takes place, this, all these actions, all this stuff that we've been looking at takes place before Abraham. God didn't come to Abraham yet. There is no scriptural text for Job to read. Job knows God. He interacts with God. But he didn't even have scripture. And he's already got the idea. I mean, look at this. He says that wisdom comes from God. This is one of the ancients. Solomon's going to reiterate it and make it famous in his book, in Ecclesiastes, but before, you know, a thousand years before, more, Job already knew it. The world forgets, don't they? I mean, all we've got to do is look at from Abraham to Jacob to see how we forget. Um, we're struggling. We're struggling as people. And it's because we won't accept the wisdom of God. We won't accept that He is the author of wisdom. Comment, question. Right. Let's take this with us. Wisdom or wise people value and treasure God's wisdom. You want to be a wise individual? You want to be somebody to be looked up at? You need to know God's wisdom. That means you need to be in your Bibles. You need to be reading. You need to be studying. You need to be learning from Him. Because you cannot have wisdom without knowledge. You cannot have wisdom without knowledge. But knowledge isn't wisdom. But it is like the doorknob to wisdom. You've got to turn it and open. You've got to read. You've got to have input with it. So there's the first thing. Second, wise people search for godly wisdom. Now you're thinking, well, sure, I go to my Bible. But you know, all wisdom, if it's really wisdom, if it's really wise, it's God's. And that means we find it in other places because Christianity in the 21st century, yeah, I guess we're in the 20, 21st mm. century, we have this idea that there's the world and everything in it and then there's the spiritual and we have given up on studying things sciences and law and these things truth is truth if it's God's truth it's true it doesn't matter where or who finds it the scientists aren't always wrong uh, there, there is this whole thing in Christianity that we shun those people and their ideas and all that. Their conclusions are what are wrong. Often what they've discovered is it. And we need to see that. See, that's where wisdom comes in. We need to be able to separate truth from their opinion. The same is true in everything, in politics, in news. <laughs> We, we need that. Chris has been working through the idea of discretion. Or, uh, yeah, discernment. Discernment, that's the word. And that comes with godly wisdom. And so we need to go to his source in our Bibles. And then we need to look at the world and go, okay, 
this isn't this part of this isn't true. We need to cut it off, and we need to take that and then repackage it in a wise way, because we need to search out for godly wisdom. It isn't everything we need to know isn't in our Bibles, because it's not a scientific book. It's not a political book. It's not a medical book. It tells us about God. If we know and understand Him, we can use wisdom to evaluate all the other aspects of life. True wisdom comes from God alone. That statement will get you persecuted. Everybody's got this idea that, that we can find it somewhere else. That every religion has a little bit of the truth and we just need to put them all together. That's what's running rampant through Christian churches today. It's this modern spiritualism. And we take a little bit from Hinduism and a little bit from Buddhism and we grab a little bit of Islam and we blend it together with a little Christianity and now I have what at least is true for me. And that's not, that, that's not wisdom because it only comes from God. He's exclusive. He's exclusive. Finally, true wisdom consists of fearing God, which produces a moral life. A moral life isn't the goal. That's just what happens. Fearing God is the goal. I want to fear Him. I need to know Him. I need to reverence Him. That's not a word we use very often anymore, is it? Reverence. Yes, God is my daddy, and that's, that's big in the, in the evangelical circles. And it's true, but it's balanced out by the fact that he's God, and he's the judge, and he's in charge. And those things are also true. I think that they're, we, we've swung the pendulum back in the 50s. God was harsh and angry and wrathful, and after the 50s into the 60s and stuff, God became all this loving and oh, he's so nice and kind and, and, and we're at the peak of that pendulum right now where nobody believes that God really judges sin and all that. And so it's a pendulum swing. We need to get that pendulum back here. It's a balance. God does judge sin. He does judge people. And he does love us because he sent his son. So they, 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 it all goes together. And that's what we need. We need to fear God. And in order to fear Him, we need to know Him. And we need to understand that both of those things, they're not mutually exclusive. I don't understand how it works. I do not understand how two things that seem to be opposite are in one person. The idea that God is sovereign on one side and gives us free will on the other. How can you be in charge and free willing? I don't know. There are two sides of a coin and there's only one coin. Hmm. And he does it. He pulls it off. We don't need to understand it. We just need to know that that is. That's wisdom. And because of it, we fear God. We know it to be true and we fear Him. We reverence Him. And because of that, we live the life that He says we should be living and the way we should be living it. Comment. Question. I have one comment. One of the things... <clears throat> that, that I've learned is we don't have to just read the Bible. I know a lot about the Bible, but we have to spend time with him. We need to know the author. Yep. 
And that's what gives us the real wisdom. I mean, I may think I'm doing good, and my husband doesn't see it that way. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, God tells me, and God's gentle. <laughs> Husbands aren't always gentle. Oh. <laughs> We do not grasp the concept of prayer because if God is already doing, knows what He's doing, and has planned what He's doing, why do we need to pray for it? Well, I don't know. He tells us to pray for it. In a lot of cases, it changes us. It changes our view and our understanding, but it's His chance to hear from us and our ability to communicate with Him. Let's pray. Father, as we live and walk in a world that has shunned your wisdom, it was no different in Job's day. Lord, we pray that you would help us not just gain the knowledge of your word, but that it would become wisdom to us and lead us to a moral life. Father, help us to live that way this week in fear of you, in reverence to you, out of respect for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.